0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for GWBC Radio's Open for Business.
1: Now, here's
0: your host.
1: Lee Cantor here, another episode of GWBC Open for Business, and this will be a good one. Today we have with us Marissa Levin with Successful Culture. Welcome, Marissa.
0: Thank you, Lee. So happy to be here.
1: Well, before we get too far into things, tell us about Successful Culture. How are you serving folks?
0: So our mission is to help create extraordinary places to work. Uh, we do that through a proven culture development lifecycle, as well as uh, comprehensive education and training curriculums that we have that really help leaders uh, set up environments that allow employees and leadership teams to reach their greatest personal and organizational potential. So our, our goal is to make sure that environments and cultures are places where employees feel seen, heard, connected, appreciated, uh, and, and safe. Um, so that's why we exist.
1: So how'd you get into this line of work?
0: so this is my third company um, my first company which is 28 years old today which I grew to about 14 million dollars before uh, exiting that company nine years ago um, I you know I've always been uh, committed to developing environments where employees could thrive and really being a leader as an organization that was Really, my one of my favorite things to do was to create an environment that, you know, I would walk in every day and my employees making sure that as the CEO and really as the servant leader, making sure that my employees had everything that they needed, you know, physically, emotionally, intellectually um you know financially everything that they needed to be successful in the organization and it just gave me a lot of pleasure to be able to create an, uh, an environment um where people could really thrive and so when i left my first company that is really kind of what i took with me and i wanted to do that for others
1: so what about that kind of resonated with you of okay this is really a secret sauce this isn't just something that happened by accident this is something you can do on purpose and it can be replicated
0: Oh, it definitely is very intentional. Um, All organizations have cultures, um, whether they are intentional or by default. And they all start with the leadership team, although they they cascade through the organization and it is incumbent upon everyone in the organization to make sure that the culture is healthy, not just the leadership team. But it starts with the leadership team when they set the core value system of the company, which really is the the DNA of the company. It's the destiny of the company, if you will. And. The culture, uh, you know, is that's defined by the core values. The core values are the moral compass and the north star. They really determine what an organization stands for, what behaviors are expected, what behaviors won't be tolerated. Core values drive every single business decision in a company when executed correctly, and they also help to drive the mission and vision. So when an organization has the values, the mission, and the vision clearly defined and is truly living those elements, that's when the culture can can, uh, really thrive.
1: So what do you tell those entrepreneurs that maybe weren't intentional, that are like, heads down, we got to make the sales quota or whatever. They were focused on something that maybe wasn't a true, true north, but it seemed like a good idea at the time. And then maybe they've gotten a culture they'd like to change. Is it possible to change a culture that's kind of off track or is it something you're kind of stuck, stuck with?
0: Yes, no, no, no. It's always, cultures are always evolving. They're fluid and dynamic and evolving entities. Uh, So it's always possible to change a culture once you are aware of it. Now, of course, when you're launching a business, if it can be something that's top of mind when you start, then you'll have much greater success and a lot less pain uh, making sure that you're attracting the right talent, that you're um, you know, that that your environment is one that is very productive and, and constructive and effective and safe rather than, you know, being like the wild, wild west. Um, I always say that, especially for first time employer and entrepreneurs, building your first company is like building a plane while you're flying it. You're literally making decisions moment to moment hoping that you're steering it in the right direction and that it's not going to come apart and that it's not going to crash. And so when you have some type of roadmap, you know, a guidepost that can lead you down the path in terms of what you stand for, where you're going, why you exist, it certainly makes your journey a a lot easier. But if you haven't done that work up front, yes, you absolutely can go back and re-engineer and reverse engineer, put the right values in place, um, it's painful. It can be painful to re-engineer and reverse engineer when you haven't done it, but it certainly can be done.
1: Now, how do you help those, um, companies that have maybe a, their hearts in the right place, but maybe they have one or two employees that they tolerate behavior that maybe they're not proud of, but they tolerate it because they're productive. Um, how does that kind of impact the team, the culture and really, you know, their true North?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. So, uh, individuals who are high performing regarding you know generating revenue and contributing to to that type of bottom line, but can be toxic uh, in other ways, we like to consider them to be lone wolves. Uh, and it really is, um, you know, it's a hard exercise to evaluate those types of people to really determine whether or not they are worth having them stick around because. The cost of a toxic employee, the, uh, the drain on the morale, the drain on the overall level of trust that an organization has, uh, it really actually can overshadow the revenue that someone might be bringing in. So think about if you could fill that position with someone that also can generate that revenue, but brings very positive energy and is not toxic. Think about how much more that would propel the organization rather than trying to do risk mitigation mitigation or damage control, you know, or to contain an, a volatile or toxic employee. Think of all of the time and energy and resources that goes into trying to control somebody like that. It's usually not worth it.
1: Now, when you're working with firms, do you have a sweet spot? Are you working with kind of you know, startups? Are you working in different industries? Like, uh, who is your typical client?
0: So, that's a great question, and I get that a lot. Um, our typical client is any organization or any leader that truly values the investment in corporate culture and in their people. So, you know, we've worked with companies that are very small, you know, a million dollars to $2 million in revenue, but they truly understand the importance of building the right foundation. So they're willing to invest in that. They're willing to make sure that they've developed their values, mission, vision in the right way that they've enrolled any employees, even if it's just one or two, in defining the behaviors behind the values. They have enrolled in the um, the process of making sure that their hiring processes uh, not only uh, ensure a fit for expertise and industry understanding, but that they are a cultural fit. So. Even really small companies are a fit for us if they truly understand the importance of investing in corporate culture. Conversely, you know we've we've been asked to come in, you know, from from publicly traded companies. I mean, companies that are in the hundreds of millions of dollars. But if the leadership team is not behind the importance of investing in their people, we're not a fit for them. We truly have to be a fit uh, regarding whether or not they see the value in our services. And Lee, I'm not in sales, you know, like I'm not interested in convincing anyone uh, in the um, about the importance of investing in your culture and investing in your people. If you don't get it, then you don't get it. And that's fine. You're not going to be a fit for us. I'm not in the business of sales. I'm in the business of transformation.
1: Now, I. Um... How about some advice for the folks out there that are dealing, maybe for the first time, with a remote workforce? Um, having a successful culture is probably difficult enough as it is in pre-pandemic, when you're seeing each other and you can high-five each other and you can hug each other and you can, you know, see kind of the behavior you'd like to model in person around you. But when you're only kind of coming in and out and interacting with folks over a Zoom call or of you know a conference call, how do you kind of um, create that kind of culture remotely?
0: So it isn't just that we are now working with people who are remote. It's the conditions under which we are working. And I get this question a lot about how can I manage my remote people? This is so much bigger than just managing remote people. Leaders today have um, just the most extraordinary and unprecedented situation regarding how they have to show up for their people and how they have to lead. It's only one thing that these people happen to be remote, okay? It's the fact that, that they're under a pandemic, that they're under tremendous uncertainty, that they are under tremendous pressure and stress and worrying about not only their health, but the health of their loved ones that they are dealing with schooling and educating their students, you know, if they've got K through 12, if they've got college students home, it's not just, Hey, all of a sudden now I have a remote workforce. How can I manage them better? It's how do you manage the emotional and the psychological and the mental toll that is occurring right now with the people in addition to managing the remote workforce and leaders have to recognize both. And what I've recognized in working with so many clients is that the commonality across every organization in any industry, large and small business, is that leaders are trying to figure out how to straddle that line between being empathetic and compassionate and showing up as a human being for their employees, but also how are they holding them accountable and how are they keeping them engaged? And it's, it's not easy. Um, You know, we have come up with lots of different creative interventions for our clients in terms of how they can stay engaged, whether it's different perks, whether it's, um, you know, making sure that they're doing regular check-ins that aren't just work-related, being aware of, of personal situations that they're going on and going through. You know, leaders are always under a microscope. We're always being watched by our people on how we show up. Uh, in good times and in bad, and more than ever now, leaders are under the microscope to see if they're showing up in a very humane, you know, way. So I don't I, leaders. Leaders have it tough right now, and um, they need to be really cognizant of showing up both as a human being as well as as a as a leader and a supervisor that has accountability.
1: And you mentioned all of the different kind of um, stressors that are on companies nowadays. I mean, you have the pandemic, you have the work from home, you have all the individual people's uh, needs when it comes to just managing their home and their work and, and all that stuff. And then you have, you know, kind of the social unrest. Uh, and that's into play also. So there's a lot of job security, I would imagine, for you and your team, uh, because there's a lot of work to be done for those folks t- to get them going. How does an engagement work? What does it look like? What is the? Uh, I know you mentioned you're not in the sales, so you know these people have to raise their hand and truly want to do this kind of work. Um, how do you kind of uh, kind of onboard a new client? How do you kind of go through what the process looks like? And what is a reasonable length of time to see some meaningful results?
0: Those are all really great questions. So, you know, it really depends on what people want want us to be doing. So some of our examples are, you know, we do we do the values, mission, and vision work. And now more than ever, it's so important for leaders and organizations to be continuously communicating what their values are what the mission and the vision of the organization is, because now more than ever, employees are struggling to feel connected to their organization. They don't feel connected to their company. They don't feel connected to their leaders. They don't feel connected to their other employees. As you mentioned, all of those rituals and those traditions that make up a corporate culture are non-existent. You know, when I was running my company, one of our favorite things to do every year was to have a huge Thanksgiving banquet where we provided the main courses and all of our employees would bring in all the side dishes. And then we would do a white elephant gift exchange. And we had a movie playing in the conference room and it just was such a wonderful day. And those types of experiences now are gone. So how are leaders creating those even more so? And so for us, some of our clients are bringing in to, you know, reinforce their values, mission and vision. Some of our clients are bringing us in to do culture checkups. We do a lot of culture checkups, like you go to the dentist, you know, and you go two or three times a year to check for cavities, remove the plaque, remove the tartar and the buildup. It's very similar with cultures. Cultures have a way of disintegrating bit by bit. It's not like one day something happens and it blows up the culture. They literally start fraying moment to moment, hour to hour, day to day because of things that start to happen. And so it's really important for leaders to be doing check-ins to see um how they're perceiving the culture and what's happening internally compared to what employers are doing. And I can tell you that hundred percent of the time there's always been a discrepancy and that's okay. As long as you get in front of it and you put in the right interventions to bridge the gap between how leaders see the culture and how employees see the culture. So companies will bring us in to do the culture check-ins and we're doing a lot of that now at the end of the year, they want us to go out, you know, and do year end culture check-ins, see, you know, what, employees think that they should be doing as we move into the new year, you know, what are we not seeing? Leaders only see the organization from the 50,000 foot level. They're not involved in the day to day. And that perspective and experience that employees have, you know, like during the daily grind, on the ground, doing the actual work, they have incredibly valuable perspective and insight. And leaders have to make a conscious effort to extrapolate that information and that perspective so that they know what's happening. So we'll do culture check-ins. We have a scale academy, the Successful Culture Advanced Leadership Education Academy. And the courses that we provide in that are things like Self-awareness using the Johari window, making sure that people understand how they're showing up, what their blind spots are, what they're hiding from the rest of the world, how they can be as transparent as possible. We do a workshop specifically on self-awareness and raising your self-awareness. We do programming on emotional intelligence. We have two different offerings around emotional intelligence because that's so important, especially in today's environment. We have programming on conscious and unconscious bias and creating respectful and inclusive. inclusive work environments, which we've been doing for years long before it became the trendy thing to do. We have uh, programs on communication strategies, having difficult conversations, leading remote workforce teams. These are all the things that we have in place that are available online. And so a lot of our clients purchase our curriculums to make sure that their employees know that we are, they're investing in them, that they're getting the right soft skills um, to show up, you know, in their most effective manner. So that's another way that our clients engage us. Um, so it's through values, mission, vision work, uh, looking at recruitment practices, doing individual coaching. We do a lot of CEO-to-CEO CEO coaching and a lot of executive coaching, uh, doing the culture check-ins, and then the scale academy work. So, you know, depending on what you need, we've got a client right now that has three acquisitions planned uh, between for 2021. They've got one coming in January, one coming in April, and one coming in October. And we're retained for the entire year um, to help with that cultural integration to make sure that those acquisitions are successful and that the team, the leadership team and the employees that are coming into those companies are fully and seamlessly and successfully integrated into the company, we're doing that work going into 2021 for one of our clients. So there's lots of different ways that our clients engage us, depending on what their situation is.
1: Now, looking forward into 2021, are you seeing any trends? Are are you seeing any kind of level of maybe grace amongst the uh, leadership and their employees because of just everybody dealing with so much of the chaos that you mentioned earlier and just so much of the now they're leaning on technology and and maybe there was a time where there was less patience and grace when it came to some of this but maybe now people's empathy gene is kind of turned on a little bit more.
0: That's so funny that you mentioned that. I don't even know if you're aware that I developed the GRACE model uh, to help leaders lead and communicate with GRACE, which we've rolled out to hundreds of different organizations and leaders now. I developed it in March, right when the pandemic, pandemic opened or you know came down upon us. And uh, it stands for Grit, Resilience, Adaptability, Connection, and Empathy. And it's a full model to lead leaders through a process to lead and communicate with grace. And uh, it's been really impactful and transformative for the organizations that we've worked with. Um, And so I do see the continued need to be educating leaders on how to lead and communicate with grace Uh, because we're all kind of pushed to the limit um, and we don't know what's coming and when it's coming. And we're all, you know, pandemic weary. We're all quarantine weary. We're exhausted. So yeah, we're actually doing a lot of work around grace.
1: So now, um, if somebody wanted to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on your team, what's the best way to learn more? Is there a website or social media coordinates?
0: Yeah, so SuccessfulCulture.com is our main website. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. You guys can find me. I've got about 25,000 followers, so I'm out there. And my email is Marissa at SuccessfulCulture.com. That's M-A-R-I-S-S-A at SuccessfulCulture.com. And I'm happy to take direct emails. And uh, you guys can sign up for our newsletter, which we put on a hiatus and we're about to start it back up along with our podcast um, as we go into uh, 2021. But yeah, there's lots of ways to reach me and definitely check out our white paper on how to create a respectful and inclusive work environment um, at SuccessfulCulture.com too.
1: Now, before we wrap, um, tell me why it was important to get uh, to be a certified woman owned business and be involved with GWBC.
0: Oh, well, certification as a woman-owned business is essential, especially if you're going to be working with state and local and federal agencies, um, because you want to indicate that you are a certified woman-owned business, even if it's through an independent party. So, uh, look, we're moving into an era now where we have... um, the um, an unprecedented number of women in positions of power. Uh, I think our time has come, and I think it's never been more important for women-owned businesses to get certified as a women-owned entity.
1: Now, uh, what do you need more of? How can we help? Are you Do you need more team members, more clients, uh, more people?
0: Hey, we're always looking for clients. Um, the other thing that we forgot to mention is I'm the author of Built to Scale, How Top Companies Create Breakthrough Growth Through Exceptional Advisory Boards. It's the number one book globally on how to build extraordinary advisory boards. The scale model stands for... Uh, Select, Compensate, Associate, Leverage, Evaluate, Evolve, and Exit. You can either find that on Amazon or you can go to to builttoscale.info. That's .dot einfo And uh, we work with organizations to help build their best advisory boards. So, Any organization that's looking for improvements in corporate culture, looking to educate their employees with really, really stellar leadership educational programming, uh, looking to put in an advisory board or looking for really high impact transformational CEO to CEO coaching, please reach out to me because that's where my sweet spots are. And I would love to work with you.
1: Good stuff, Marissa. Thank you so much for sharing your story. You're doing important work and we appreciate you.
0: No, we appreciate you, um, Lee, for uh, having this podcast and for letting women-owned businesses get their story out.
1: All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on GWBC Open for Business.